WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Hello and welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and welcome to another edition of HTW, the show with your hot takes and our spicy opinions to said hot takes. Joining me as ever on the show this week is Hannah Atkinson. Say hi, Hannah. Hello, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, Hannah. In, in, in trying to get excited for Imola, even though it's a bit damp in the area at the moment. How are you feeling at the moment? Yeah, no, great. I'm also looking forward to Imola. I mean, we're seeing videos of floods near the pit lane. Not I mean, ideal. No, not at all. I mean, in a way, it does make it a bit more exciting. But if we get a cancelled Grand Prix, then it's not exciting at all. So it's finding that balance, you know, between flooding and rain which we need to do. Indeed. I mean, we all love a little bit of drama as F1 fans and rain is probably the easiest go-to way to add a little bit of drama. But of course, let's let's hopefully not at the expense of everybody's safety. So of course, fingers crossed to everybody course, in the area. Yeah. Obviously stay safe out there and uh, hopefully we do get a Grand Prix. But of course, safety absolutely should come first. But if you're new to the show, because every podcast is someone's first, here's how Hot Takes Wednesday goes. You, the wonderful WTF1 audience on Twitter, will send us in your hot takes regarding just about anything in Formula One, really. And then me and my co-host will break it down. We'll have a little bit of a chat about it. And then we'll score them on a scale of one to five. One being that we strongly disagree with them and Five being that we strongly agree with them. And if both of us score a take, a one or a five, we'll go into our special Sub-Zero Vault when we break down the hottest and coldest takes of 2023 at the end of the season in December. It'll be a Christmas special. Won't that be fun? Um, But uh, we actually had, for the very first time on HTW last week, a double five. (gasps) Shock. I know. Amazing. Um, uh, It took four months, but we're here. (laughs) It took us four months to get there. But we had the first double five of the season. Who knew that talking about reverse grids would get both of us, me and Michael Italiano, and thanks for all the feedback regarding that episode, by the way. I'm glad you guys all enjoyed it. Um, Who who knew reverse grids would be the one to get the first double five strongly agreed take in the vault for the year? The way it's going, that might be the only one, but uh, (laughs) we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. So, Hannah, before we get into the show itself, let's talk a little bit about F1 Clash. Let's do it. What is F1 Clash? Do tell me about it, Dre. Uh, F1 Clash is the mobile game where you can be a real-life F1 team manager, and it's a very important time for F1 Clash at the moment because it's season change mode. Season change is the natural progression of the sport to replicate the real-life world of Formula 1, where the game is reset to keep it fresh and competitive. The players are reset every year to ensure new players have an equal chance to compete rather than playing against those who have been playing for years. It's specifically designed so that new players like you, Hannah, if you downloaded the app tomorrow, for example, could get into the game, but also not find it too intimidating when you see guys with big rankings, big scores, um, and, you know, big credits. So it doesn't put you off playing straight away, right? Yeah, no, that's perfect. Because sometimes when you start a game, some people are just too good at the game and you just can't get up to their level. But this sounds like right up my street. 
Exactly. And hey, if you're a veteran player and you've been around for a long time as well, don't worry too much because you get CC points from the previous season. You're able to spend them to give yourself a little bit of a head start for the 2023 season as well. So don't be too put off at your score being reset. If you've been around for a long time, your progress will be rewarded as well. Also, don't forget there's a brand new power mechanic feature as well. So you can now recharge your power by using more conservative power modes for your drivers. So, hey, nobody wants to automatically lose a race when playing. Now, with this, you don't necessarily automatically lose the moment you run out of fuel. You can now race until the very end of a Grand Prix without having to worry about running out of fuel because we all know that's a little bit embarrassing, right? Of so, course, of course. Exactly. So new players should play F1 Classic because it's now more exciting and authentic and have an equal chance to compete. There's never been a better time to start playing F1 Clash, and you can do so on the App Store and on the Google Play Store right down below. I'm going to download it now. <laughs> so... Hannah, are we ready for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday? Of course, of course. Let's do it. First take comes up from Jigarilla SSB on Twitter, who says, George Russell beats Verstappen in equal machinery. He just needs the chance in a really good car. Hmm. One more time. George Russell beats Max Verstappen in equal machinery. He just needs the chance in a really good car. I wonder how much of this was based off Baku. Maybe... <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we saw some hope in Georgia that we didn't see before. But uh, Hannah, what's your what's your initial gut feeling on this one? Yeah, with with this one, I feel like to compare Russell against anyone, you have to look at who he's competed against in equal machinery in the past. So you've got Kubica, Latifi, and now Hamilton. Kubica, he he lost against, but it was George's first season. So I feel like in a first F one season, you kind of have to you know cut them some slack a little bit. Latifi. Let's just say he wasn't the toughest opponent. Let's just no, say that. <laughs> let's, just, let's, let's be polite and say that mm -hmm. maybe he wasn't quite up to the standard of being an F1 driver. Yeah, so of course George excelled there. And then and now you have Hamilton. I, I feel like Russell and Hamilton are so equal in terms of teammates. It's, it's amazing. But at the moment, Russell is definitely performing better than Hamilton. And so I, I, I know you can't say, well, because this person beat this person that means they can beat this person I, I know it doesn't work like that but in a way that's kind of all, all we can go off from mm. uh, 20 I'm interested to see if if Russell was in that seat in 2021 in Mercedes would he fight Max like Lewis did would it go to the last race would it you know would he kind of fizzle off mid-season would Max come out on top would Russell I don't know but I'm interested to see I, it's I think when Russell went from Williams to Mercedes, everyone expected him. Well, we none of us expected Mercedes to be so slow. I think we didn't no. expect them to drop off as much as they did. And we all thought Russell might come in and win races. And he has done that, but not to the extent that we all thought. And I think that's obviously part of part to do with Mercedes than Russell. But what do you think? I, I think that Russell could definitely challenge Max, but, but based on their mindsets now, if they were teammates, Russell would be kind of chasing that that winner and, you know, kind of the underdog in a way, whereas Max would be, you know, holding on to his, his championships. He's probably going to win a third now. So I feel like in Max's mind, he's just, his mind is so clear. He's comfortable. He knows what he's doing. And I, I feel like that is just going to help him even further if they were teammates. Um. 
you're right in that I think it's a dangerous game to play what I like to call F1 math. Well, if <laughs> you're better than this guy and he was equal with this guy, then that means George Russell must be better. I know, I mean, it's not a good way to do it, is it? No, I mean, I think there's a world out there where John Eric Verne is still the lineal F1 champion of all time, which I think yes. is, a, is a deep rabbit hole <laughs> that mm-hmm. we haven't got time to get into here. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. George Russell, at worst at the moment, I would say is close to Hamilton's level. Um, I think there's been a lot of dialogue back and forth about Hamilton potentially sacrificing setup to try and get Mercedes back up the board. And and maybe Hamilton's done a bit of self-sacrificing for the good of the team. And that's maybe made Russell look a little bit better than what he is. But year two so far, you could make a very strong case that George Russell's been the stronger Mercedes driver so far. I think that um, he was unlucky, obviously, in Australia. That was a race he was leading. Uh, I don't think he wins it, but I think he certainly is set for second place that day before this power unit failed. He's out-qualified Hamilton over the course of the season. I want to say 4-1 so far this season as well. I think Hamilton's been a bit stronger in race trim, but so far, I think even the biggest Hamilton fan would have to admit that George Russell is certainly giving the man something to think about. Whether that would translate into a fight against Verstappen, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a, it's a difficult one because the only real yardstick we have recently is the 2021 title fight, which, again, they were v- Hamilton and Verstappen, I think, were very evenly matched. And I think their cars were stronger at different points throughout that season. I think Mercedes started out stronger. I think Red Bull got better in the middle of the year, but I also think that Mercs were stronger again towards the back end. So evaluating it on a driver standpoint is genuinely hard. I really like George Russell. I think George Russell is an excellent driver. I think he's in that top five sort of discussion pound for pound in the field. But we just haven't got that evidence that like that if he was in a a car that can actually contend for the championship whether he'd be able to take that fight to Verstappen in the same way that Hamilton has like is this the same Hamilton from 2 years ago i don't know it's it's very very hard to say there's a lot of question marks that are that are clouding my judgment on this one um I think if Russell was hammering Hamilton, pardon the pun, Hamilton fans out there, (laughs) um, if Russell was hammering Hamilton week in, week out, I'd be a lot more convinced about that possibility. But I need to see more from George before I really am prepared, prepared to go that far to say that, you know, he's on an equal level to Max. And don't get me wrong, a lot of this is car politics. If anything, George Russell joined the team a year too late. Well, when Mercedes' title window was still there, now they're more of the third best team. It's hard to make that sort of leaping comparison. But I'm leaning more towards going two on this one. I I ultimately disagree, but I don't think it's a. I don't strongly disagree. I'm. It. We haven't seen Russell in this sort of title contending top of the sport scenario yet. This is more might win a race if everything goes in your favor. Um, you know, that sort of mm. we'll get on the podium, 
I think he's got all the tools to do it for what it's worth. I think I think last year he proved he was very consistent, still a little bit clumsy in terms of race craft. I'd like to see how that would translate into a true title fight because he had a lot of little mistakes where, you know, Carlos Sainz at Kota and Mick Schumacher at Singapore, uh, Checo at France, where he was just a bit clumsy in how he drove the car and that could have altered a few results here and there. But I think ultimately... I'm going to say two on this one. I mean, how are you feeling about it, um, Hannah? Yeah, I also agree. And, and I was going to say a two. I mean, I don't want to be the same as you, but three is, I, I'm not really in the middle. I do disagree, but one is two is too much. So it's a two for me as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think it's a two. I, I said, I think the potential of Russell, I still think is definitely there for him to mm-hmm. maybe challenge Max one day just don't think it's quite yet i need i need to see more from george before i before yeah. i take a bit more confidence uh in that opinion um let's have a look at take number 2 it comes from uh colin melhuish again forgive me if i mispronounce your name i am i am dreadful with names i, I promise <laughs> you i try but uh colin says there are too many street races <laughs> Nice and simple, take that. <laughs> Straight to the point. There are too many street races. Um, this is a tricky one. I, do people despise street races that much that now we're just like, get rid of them? Because there is only so many finite, genuine road courses that F1 could race on. Um, <laughs> and building an entirely new Grand Prix circuit in this economy is a hard sell because you're you're talking about spending hundreds of millions of pounds and doing a street circuit is easier. It brings the race to the people. Logistically, I think it can be a lot easier to propose. So I'm not surprised it's the way F1's going. But uh, so Hannah, how do you feel about it? Like, do you feel there's too many street tracks around at the moment? No, I love street races. I know I'm a bit biased because I love them so much. So I need to try and take my mind out of, you know, <laughs> the feeling of loving them and to someone who might not like them so much. And I don't think we have too many. I mean, you think of when you think of street tracks, Monaco, we've got Miami now. They're not necessarily, you know, give us great races. I mean, in Monaco, would you even call it a race? It's just kind of 20 cars following each other in a line. Is that a race? Anyway, bit, it's, bit, you know, bit, we bit can get into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, you think of street tracks, but then on the other hand, you have like Baku and Singapore and Jeddah and you know, Baku wasn't great this year. We all know that. But, you know, in previous years, it has been. And Jed has given us some amazing races in the last few years. And so if you look at the racing that street circuits give us, it can be a bit hit or miss. But actually, the hot take being there's too many. I disagree with that. I think um, I don't think you can have too many. That's just my opinion. Really? <laughs> well, it does get to a point where if, you know, they want to bring, you know, loads of street circuits street tracks in sorry and replacing some classic circuits that's where it gets a bit like well why what are the reasons behind this but you know if it's not replacing any any loved track i think it's fine yeah i mean ultimately it's an incredibly subjective take i mean street tracks are unique but not so much anymore because a lot of the new additions we've had to the f1 calendar in recent years have been tracks that 
feel more like street circuits. You know, Miami and Vegas coming up later this year is going to be another one. We had Valencia in years past. Sochi was kind of a street track in its own right. I know it was more built around an actual facility, but a lot had a lot of street circuit characteristics. Jeddah technically counts as one. Again, whether you want to count that one is is up to you. There's a lot of ums and ahs about it. I I don't have a huge opinion on this one either way. I, I like conventional um, tracks that we go to. I, I do miss a fair few of them that used to be on the calendar and aren't anymore, like a Hockenheim or a Nürburgring or, you know, tracks of that nature. I, I, I do I do like those sorts of conventional tracks, and I, I, I do find it a little bit annoying that we're going more away from those as, as, as the years go by, but I don't hate the street circuit editions we have had in recent years. Like, I don't like Baku as a track, but I can't deny it does generate <gasps> chaos every other year. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, from an entertainment standpoint, I can't dispute that it has, to a degree, worked. Um, you know, I, I liked when Valencia was on the calendar. I thought it was quite an underrated street circuit when it was around in the V8 days. Um, I didn't hate Sochi. I thought it was fine. Um you know, so I don't think there's too many street races, but at the same time, I also wouldn't mind seeing F1 go back to some older tracks too. So I'm I'm going to play the cop-out card here, and I don't <laughs> normally do it, but I'm going to say three here because I don't really have a strong opinion on this one either way. As I think you could pull my arm one way or another on this one, but ultimately... I'm fine with the way the calendar's going for the most part, and I understand why it's a thing, so I'm cool with it. How about you, Hannah? It's a one for me. I think uh, just because I don't think right now we have too many. If we started replacing more tracks with street circuits and it became, you know, maybe there was like 10 on our calendar, I think that's, you know, a bit crazy and we need some more of the, you know, the classic tracks that we get. Um, so then I would say there's too many, but right now I don't agree at all. So I'm going to give it a one. Hannah is out here crusading for the street <laughs> circuit. I find yes. that very intriguing indeed. Please don't one star the podcast on iTunes after this, please. What? Of course they wouldn't. <laughs> one could only hope. Um, <laughs> don't, don't be a hater, etc. But um, this, this is a very interesting one. Um, and I, I've got a feeling that a lot of listeners that are going to hear this take are going to rage once it comes out. But I, I, I do like it. Um, I think it's worth discussion. Haru, uh, Haru Advan tweets in: We need ten races in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> you could just feel the amount of skips in the podcast playlist being played mm-hmm. as we speak. So hear, hear us out on this one. Yeah. You said 10 races in the USA. Now, look, this is a very extreme take, and I'm not going to sit here and say we need 10 American races, but this is clearly a response to the sports American growth. You know, the fact that we've gone to to three this year. Um, You weren't on the um, post-race podcast we had about Miami with Harry and co. So what did you make about Miami in general as a Grand Prix, as a spectacle, all of it? I mean, generally, are you a fan of Miami? Are you a fan of it in general? 
it's it's a hard one because I, I think um this both races that we've had at Miami have been pretty mid. There wasn't really much to write home about in terms of the racing. And of course, you know, this, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had that Miami qualifying session, which ended, you know, really excitingly. It was a, a great top five going into the race. But I think that's about it in terms of excitement when it came to on-track action. And of course, you had, you know, the new introduction. I know F1 have done driver introductions before, but not for a while. And so I felt like it was um it was very over the top and very American, but I, you know, I, I don't hate it. I'm not going to say it's awful. I was going to say, how did you feel about it? Because there was a lot of backlash regarding it. It actually genuinely surprised me how many people just straight up hated it. Yeah. If it started becoming, you know, really distracting for the drivers, which I think a couple of them may have said that it was, if it starts to become a problem in terms of like, you know, teams not being able to, finish things in time because if there's this one entertainment thing that's going on then it's like you know it gets to a bit too much because there are ways that you can create a show without it taking away from that um but in terms of watching yeah it was a bit cringe yeah it was this that and the other but it, it wasn't really harming anyone was it I, I still think it was a bit of a storm in a teacup, to be honest. I mean, like, what are we really dunking on here? Like, eight minutes out of a pre-race schedule that would have been what? Just them talking about maybe Lando Norris and what he can do from, like, 18th <laughs> on the grid or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I, I guess some people are more into that than I thought, maybe. So it's not like we were robbed of any, Martin, of any like, Martin Brundle's grid walk or anything like that because no. we had some driver intros. Now... I said before the drivers. I could understand why they might be a bit miffed about it because I, I when we were talked about it with Michael Italiano on the show last week, he mentioned with Yuki, it was actually it took minutes out of their warm up routine by right, okay. by standing there and then waiting for the intro and then standing for the national anthem spot. It took about seven or eight minutes out of their pre race prep. So. From a driver standpoint, I could understand why you might be against it. As a fan, I'm like, well, what's the worst you're gonna do? Mute like mute your television for a few minutes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I I I still feel like that was a bit of a storm in a teacup, but I, I suspect a lot of people are going to dunk on it because it's purely American pomp and circumstance. And um, a lot of people just don't like that pageantry style that the Americans have when it comes to F1. Whether that means we should have more races in America, <laughs> I look. This is this is going to be a one. Let me get this out of the way from now because we don't need ten American races. It's a very it's a very outlandish take. Um, I think two was plenty for America, and I think three is getting greedy. Is how I would look at it because from a fan standpoint, you're making your fans choose, and I don't think that's a wise idea because Austin. It was has been here for over a decade now. It's a great Grand Prix. It's drawn over four hundred thousand. It it brings the diehard race fan along. What was wrong with that? I felt like that was enough. Then you you've had in Miami, and then you you're now going to add a very similar Grand Prix in Las Vegas, which it's 
the, the, the talk is it's going to be really expensive, like $2,000 for grandstand seats for the weekend. That's not aimed for the average fan. If you're talking about two grand for a grandstand ticket um, and general admission being over 500 bucks just to get through the door, I think that's, that's Silverstone level of prices and you ain't Silverstone. <laughs> um, and if you're going to make your fans choose between one Grand Prix or another in this, in your same backyard, are people still going to go to Miami next year with Las Vegas on the table? Because Las Vegas already is a big tourism spot. It's already a big, let's go to Las Vegas bucket list sort of venue. You're more likely to go there with a Grand Prix in their backyard than, than Miami, which I, I'm not sure what, I, I, I don't think it's very well thought out from Formula One. And I think you're risking alienating your audience. So I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, Hannah, but I, I feel like it feels a bit greedy from F1 to me. It's interesting because I, I suppose in my mind, I was thinking about it from a, a different kind of point of view, that being geographically, if you put the USA over Europe, having a, you know a Grand Prix in Vegas, a Grand Prix in Miami and a Grand Prix in Austin, it is kind of like having a British Grand Prix a uh, Portugal Grand Prix and a Turkish Grand Prix. That's how spread out they are. So yeah, I feel true. like, you know, and of course in Europe, we have, you know, all the races in between those countries as well. So I know it's, you know, per country and you could argue that three per country is too much, but then it's not like they're having too many races for the amount of people that are there because each race is being sold out. Obviously I'm not speaking for Vegas because I, I don't know the numbers and the stats for that yet. I'll have to talk about that later in the year, but for Miami and, and Cota, I feel like, you know, each year that goes on, I mean, Miami, there's only been two, but the amount of tickets sold has increased. They're not really selling too little. And so I feel like in terms of the people and the fans, there is the want to have those Grand Prix. And I'm not saying that we should have more than three because I think three is plenty and I think three is enough. But I wouldn't say that three is too many if you think about it, you know, for the fans and geographically, I think it makes sense. We'll get back to the show in just a moment, but first a quick word about our partners at MoneyGram. We live in a world that's more digital than ever with nearly every want or need just to tap away. And so many of our favorite digital services seamlessly meet the physical world when they're delivered to your front door. But until now, that hasn't been true for crypto. Digital currencies have been tied up online with no easy way to bring them into the real world. That's why we're so excited to share that you can now cash in and out of select digital wallets and participate in MoneyGram locations without a bank, credit card or debit card. Convert your digital currency to cash and back again using the only digital wallets with real cash access activated by MoneyGram. Learn more at moneygram.com slash Stella Wallets. That's moneygram.com slash Stella. That's S-T-E-L-L-A-R Wallets. I, I do wonder. I know F1 has been obsessed with chasing that American bag for quite some time with the way it's yeah. marketed itself, the way it's pitched DTS and and the impact that it's had over there. Clearly huge. Um, you know, clearly it's had a shot in the arm for the sport. So they want to cash in on that like any smart business would. But I am a little bit fearful in the back of my head that if you uh, start milking this cow a little bit too hard, people are going to start to lash out against it and maybe dry up um, some of that support that's over there. 
I'm going to assume this is a one from both of us here. Yeah, We're, 10 races are absolutely not. It's a one. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it's an outlandish take. But again, I do like the the discussion that comes behind it. Um, I did hear rumors that they might consider buying out half of Long Beach. So we could still get four. I, I, wow. I, um, <laughs> um, I know IndyCar races at Long Beach over the other side of the US in California. But uh, I, I I do wonder if that would ever happen, if F1 yeah. would consider a fourth US race. I'm, I'm, I think that might be one too many. Yeah. Um, if they're considering a fourth location, it's kind of getting to the point where it's like, well, instead of having a fourth Grand Prix, just swap one of the Grand Prix for that fourth location. You know, instead of having still having three in the US, but just maybe, I don't know, depends how good Vegas goes. If it doesn't go very well, then swap out Vegas for Long Beach. Colin, I've got a response to your earlier take. Here's an idea. We swap out a street track and we go to Indianapolis instead. Who oh. says no? <laughs> there we go. It's sorted. Everybody's a winner here on What Takes <laughs> Wednesday. You, you can't possibly be mad at me now for that one, right? See, no. I'm, I'm improving the calendar in real time. You see? <laughs> It, 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 see, I am a genius. What can I say? That that is my hundred percent brilliant galaxy brain idea right there. Uh, t- take number three uh, from JD uh, uh, SUFC. JD, uh, I think I've seen you before, my friend. Yes, James, good to see you, my friend. How are you? Um, he says uh, this season will be the worst one we've had in decades. <laughs> Ag- wow! Again, again, straight to the point. Worst mm-hmm. season ever, etc. Hannah, we've had five rounds. We have. We have. I think it's fair to say we haven't had one genuine banger of a race yet so far this season. No. Is that, is that fair to say? Is it fair to say we're 0 for 5? I think it's fair to say. I mean, Australia was chaotic, but it you know it didn't have everything. So I think you're right in saying that. I think Australia was the bad kind of chaos. It was like, exactly. what, like what, like what's the result? How do we know what's going on? <laughs> oh, it's a bit of a farce that we had this super chaotic race mm-hmm. end under effectively end, end under a red flag because yeah, uh, you know, it, it was all a bit silly. Really, if you have to ask, oh, so what was the actual result at the end of the race? It's not good. <laughs> no, um, so I, I think us, I think we're over five for great races. But does that mean this is going to be the worst season ever? Uh, hmm. How do you feel about it, Han? I suppose it depends how you what you count as being a worse season. If it's a title fight that you know depends whether it's a good or bad season for you, then it probably is going to be the worst season. I hate to break it to you, but <laughs> um, I mean, last week on Hot Takes Wednesday we had Michael Italiano on, and I thought he made a really good point, which I hadn't really thought about before. In that, yes, we're not going to get a battle, and yes, it might be quite a boring season, but actually. Max and Red Bull are going to break so many records and just how dominant they are is, you know, unbelievable and unlike something that we've seen for a while. I know we've seen it in the past, but not for a while. And so I feel like in terms of that, it's exciting. If you're not a Red Bull fan, it's not the best at all. But, you know, if you're more of a neutral fan, then you can focus on that kind of thing. And I think, you know, for us, the most interesting battle is probably going to be P2 in the drivers and P2 in the constructors. So in terms of that, it's not going to be the worst, but you know, we're not going to get that title fight. And I suppose if you, if you think about it in previous years, normally, I mean, 2021 is its own category. I feel like, you know, we never get that. That was incredible. Mm. And most of the time, correct me if I'm wrong, but you see two people fighting for a title and then one tends to drop off mid-season and the favourite tends to just go on and win. Generally, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's actually, it's not uncommon that we see someone 
run away with the title. Definitely not as much as they are this year, let's be real. But I think that a lot of the time people tend to focus on the battles throughout the upper midfield or, you know, right at the bottom. So I don't think it's, I think it's too much to say it's going to be the worst we've seen in decades. I think that's too, too harsh, but it's definitely not going to be up there with the best, of course. Here's how I look at it. And this is coming from a guy that's watched about 20 seasons now. Um, This is more common than people think. Uh, I I think the whole idea of a, of a title fight going all the way to the final round and even more so between two different teams rather than just one car is busted, it's the two teammates that have a title fight. Like, those sorts of seasons are generally quite rare. And the norm is the best car wins and the norm is when the best car wins, one driver tends to be comprehensively better than the other. Like, we were a little bit spoiled during the previous dominant era of Mercedes where, you know, Hamilton and Rosberg were quite evenly matched. Um, Hamilton was probably slightly better over their four years together as teammates, but Rosberg was good enough to make it close most of the time. Um, Valtteri Bottas was not that guy. Trust me, pal, you're not that guy. Um, unfortunately, we love Bottas on WTF1. Come on, we, we love Bottas, but let's be honest, he was not touching Hamilton no, with a ten foot right. barge pole. Um, Sergio Perez has yet to prove that he can challenge Verstappen over an entire season. I think there's been a lot of copium in the air regarding that. I think a lot of hope that Perez can stay with Max over a season. I've yet to see the evidence of that personally. Um, Miami. Perez was outclassed. There's no getting around that. Was on was on a, a good strategy, just didn't hold on to his mediums, and then Max just completely outgunned him in the second half of that race, um, despite his tyres being 20 laps older. That's not a good sign for Perez over the course of the season. So, look, I get the argument. One car championship at the moment, one driver clearly better than the other. I can understand why there might be some resentment towards the state of the season because of that. But that's a lot more common in Formula One than you think it is. Like like Hamilton did that at Mercedes for a while. Um, When I was growing up, it was Michael Schumacher. Schumacher was a far better driver than Rubens Barrichello was. So I actually, like, not that I, not that I, sorry, I went off there. Like, not, not that I, don't want to acknowledge other parts of the season as well. Like I genuinely think the midfield battle is going to be fascinating this year. Like the back half of the grid, Williams, Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri, Haas, um, McLaren. I think that's a real bar fight going on back there for maybe one or two points. Um, I think I do find that quite fascinating to see how that will play out. And look, or even the really, really bad seasons tend to have one or two classics in there that will be talked about beyond the confines of this season. So I'm going to say one here because like it's going to take a lot for this to be like ultra bad because like I've sat through many a forgettable dominant F1 season as well. And if this is another one of those seasons, then I don't think it will be much different from some of the Mercedes series that we watched and some of the Ferrari seasons that I grew up with. Um, or even some of the Red Bull teams when Sebastian Vettel was dominating as well. So for me personally, 
I like it, it would have to be ultra bad for it to be the worst season we've had in years. Mm-hmm. How about you, Han? Yeah, I'm gonna give it a two. I I see where they're coming from. I do, but I just like you said, Dre. If you compare to previous seasons, it's it's not that uncommon, and it's just one of those one of those seasons that's not particularly exciting. It's but I don't think it will be the worst we've seen in decades. No, I I agree with you there. I I, I think that. I, I think this is playing out a lot like a standard F1 season for better and for worse, <laughs> uh, um, unfortunately. But that's F1 sometimes, you know, so we, we hope that things are great, but sometimes it just isn't. And that's sport for you sometimes. Sometimes Manchester City dominates. Nothing you can, <laughs> nothing you can do about it. This is coming from a totally not bitter Manchester United fan, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, last take of the episode before this becomes a football show. Um, again, like, I love that James got two takes in. That's the first time we've actually had that because we thought two of them are quite intriguing. Uh, we have a double selection from James. We'll roll with it. Um, he says, Lando Norris would flop at any of the big three. Mm, that's spicy. Lando Norris would flop at any of the big three. Uh James, do message me back about this. I'd love to know how you came to this conclusion. I'm not saying this to be sarcastic, I promise. Um, Fascinating. Lando Norris, for me, is pound for pound one of the best drivers in Formula One. I think for a good two years now, he has spearheaded that McLaren team. He was under, I think, a little bit of pressure when Daniel Ricciardo came over, because I remember Daniel Ricciardo's last season at Renault, the artist now known as Alpine, (laughs) that he was incredible at Renault, especially the second year where he was in the top five every other race. He was fifth in the championship. His stock was back after leaving Red Bull. He goes to McLaren and then Norris absolutely smacks him around for two years. So much so they had to buy Ricardo out of his contract to bring in Piastri. Now, I don't know how much of that is McLaren's struggles as an overall team and how much of that was Ricardo just not being able to adapt to a different car. Um, I've generally been quite generous with how I feel about Ricardo because I was like, well... Ricardo couldn't just drop off a cliff that quickly, could he? Um, especially, <laughs> given, especially given how good he was at Renault. So I'm sitting here thinking maybe there was some sort of drivability problem with McLaren in general, but none of this is to smite Lando Norris, who I think is a world-class driver. I think he needs to get out of there to really show off how good he can be because I don't think McLaren are good enough and they haven't been for some time, Hannah. But... Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about Lando Norris pound per pound in the state of the grid? Yeah, I I just don't think he's going to flop. I I think if he, the only way he could flop, in my opinion, is if he goes to one of the top teams and the McLaren has been built so much around him that he struggles to get to grips with it in using another car and and driving on a car that he's just not used to. I think that's the only way that he could flop, because obviously he has been at McLaren for his hin- entire F one career, so that would make sense. I just think that he is too talented for that to happen. I don't think that he's going to let a different car get in the way of him performing to the best of his ability. I suppose the other way that you could see him flopping is if he completely, you know, gets outdone by his teammates. So, okay, who would his teammates be? You'd have Max, 
Russell, assuming that Hamilton will retire, or Sainz and Leclerc. I mean, against Russell, Russell's performing so well right now. I don't know how he would come up against. Maybe they would be on par with each other, just like Russell is with Hamilton now. I mean, sides he's been teammates with before. I'm assuming that the you know the teams will stay with the drivers that they have now because you can't you know guess anything else. But right. Sainz against Norris, I mean, they were both at McLaren together, and in 2020, Sainz did beat Lando in the constructor. Sorry, not the constructors in the drivers' championship, but it was by such a little amount. It went down to yeah. the last race. I just would say they're on par with each other, equal in that season. So, you know. I just don't see him flopping. I, I think out of everyone who, who he could be teammates with, he's on par or better than. I mean, maybe Max, I'm kind of thinking he's his own category in a way. I kind of feel like Max yeah, is so, so on it right now that I'm mm. not even thinking about him. But I don't see uh, an op- a thing where he you know goes into a Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes and flops. I just don't see it happening. I think he's too talented for that. I'm glad you mentioned it because I was going to go down that road afterwards as well, talking about, well, if he is going to go to a big free free team and we assume that big free is Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari by conventional measure, maybe chuck Aston Martin in there as well yeah, now. But, potentially. But potentially because, I mean, Fernando Alonso is not going to go around forever. He is 42 later this season. Um, Alonso, I know, is keen to keep going, but... I mean, if Alonso goes from Aston Martin, I surely think he's better than Lance Stroll. So, hey, this 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 is a one. We I completely disagree. Let's get that out of the way. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. But um, it's fascinating because I I was going to assume if it was going to be Ferrari, it would be Charles Leclerc. Um, and I think he's close to Charles Leclerc, and I think yeah. he'd be close to George Russell. Verstappen is the one where I kind of draw the line because Max is so good. And Max has ran every teammate he's had at Red Bull so far out of town eventually. Um, Ricardo probably being the only one he really had who was even close to Verstappen's level over their time together. Albon, Gasly, Perez so far have all failed to come up to Max's standards. That might be a difficult matchup, but... I think he's good enough where he could hold his own at Mercedes, Ferrari, or Aston Martin if he joined one of those teams tomorrow. I think he's a damn good racing driver. I think he's gotten better as the years have gone by. I think he's proven that he can lead a team. And I've read many a story about how that McLaren is very difficult to drive, and yet Lando Norris extracts the maximum, I think, out of that car pretty much week in, week out. So... Yeah, I think a lot of it is down to McLaren providing Norris a good enough car. And I think that's where the struggles have been for them as a team the last two or three years. Um, after all, they got rid of James Key and they've, you know, reshuffled the technical department a couple of times. They've gone through multiple power units since Zach Brown joined them. I think was it back in 2016? So overall. I think in most of the top three scenarios, I think Norris would hold his own. I certainly don't think he would flop, is what I would say in response to James's original take. So I would say, I don't know if I I want to go one or two here. I'm going to go for a one. Two. Okay. It depends what team, because if it was Max, I still think he would struggle. And... Mm. Um, but and I think Leclerc would be a very fascinating matchup if Ferrari moved on from either him or Carlos Sainz. A Sainz rematch, I think, would also be very interesting. Um, <laughs> so I think 
on balance, I think it's fairer if I go two rather than one here. That's mm-hmm. that's how I look at it at the moment. So you're going one on that one? Yeah, I, I feel bad. I've given every hot take today a two or a one. I'm very negative today. I don't mean to be. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. Now I, now I think about it. You've, you've gone one or two on everything. Like Hannah's normally the, the optimistic one out of all of us here at WTF 1HQ, mm. and she's been maximum cynical, <laughs> maximum cynical the whole way through. Next week, I've got to pick some positive hot takes that I think people might agree with. It's hard, though, because, you know, going through them, you think, oh, that's controversial, bit of a hot take, you know, mm. pick that. But then, of course, the ones that everyone agrees with are not hot takes, you know. So it's right. hard to pick. But, you know, I'm a bit, bit negative today, me. <laughs> just a little bit. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, hopefully it's just a one off. And the next time we we hold hands, sing Kumbaya and have some tweaks that we all absolutely <laughs> agree with. Absolutely. Um, over the course of the show. But that'll do it for Hot Takes Wednesday on this occasion. Um, keep sending your takes in. Uh, look out for the tweets all, um, every Monday on our Twitter account at uh, WTF1Official. If you want some feedback from yours, you can tweet me as well at Dre underscore WTF1. We'll be back next week after Imola for yet more of your spicy hot takes on Hot Takes Wednesday. I've been Dre Harrison. She's been Hannah Atkinson. Until next time, sayonara. See ya.